Welcome to the Adventure Mechanics. I'm Chandler. I'm Devin. And I'm Tom. And today we'll be talking about Subnautica. Woo! Yeah. Yahoo! It's like uh, one of my favorite games. I can't wait. I'm excited. <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm so excited. Yeah, maybe, maybe too excited. I don't know. Okay, so. No such thing. Um, yeah, Subnautica is the, uh, what is it? Trifecta of Doom on Steam. It was an early access survival crafting game built on the Unity engine. And the most surprising part about this is it actually works better than 95% of the games with all of those tags. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's proof that it can be done well. Really well. The system can work. It's also the exception rather than the rule. Let's be honest here. Mm-hmm. It's fair. Yeah. Yeah. So for a little background, Subnautica was made starting in, what, December 2013? And this was Sounds shortly right. after the, well, about a year after the Sandy Hook elementary school shootings. And the team of Unknown Worlds Entertainment was really tired of developing games that had more guns in them. So they wanted to build a non-violent style game. Hence why none of the weapons, and I'll put that in quotes, in Subnautica really can damage anything. Except for like maybe the survival knife and the drill. So there's not a huge amount of weapons in it. There is one gun later on, but you can't touch it. Well, there's also, yeah, we'll get into that. But yeah, so this was kind of a game designed around the idea of discovery rather than the survival aspect. So they kind of developed the game in a way that the thrill of the unknown was the core of their loop. And you did the survival and crafting in service of exploring the unknown. Um, Is that fair to say? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Okay. So that's kind of like a 20,000 foot view of the game. And just as the boilerplate, we will be talking about this game and its story Yes, this game does have a story, and if you want to experience it blind, which I would highly recommend, you will probably want to stop listening and go play it and then come back. Yep. Yes. You wouldn't expect a crafting-style game to have a really, really good story, but this one does. So, yeah, don't underestimate that. Absolutely. It's a very interesting game, and it takes a few different angles that I wasn't expecting. So, go play it. We'll be here when you get back. We'll wait. The joys of editing. Yay! (laughs) Editing, woo! And so, some of the backstory on this game, because it was designed to be the thrill of the unknown and kind of a crafting game mixed together, Unknown Worlds Entertainment made the game and then threw it out as uh, Steam Early Access because they couldn't actually afford to fully develop the game without having more funding so when they finally had a minimum viable product they released it and they're like oh boy people aren't buying this enough we have two months to make this work hence why the game has a few harsh edges in development and they're still there to this day one of the things of note is the game has some lag spikes where it just slows down to a crawl and that's kind of some of the last remnants of this unfortunately tight development cycle although this was started in 2014 early 2014 and released in january of 2018 it still had a rather shoestring budget so The fact that they made such a beautiful game with such a tight budget is something to be very proud of. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, the game, you know, you're right. It it has like a a couple tiny little things that are, you're kind of like, oh yeah, I could see that as being something, but truly like, don't get the wrong impression. It's, it's a very polished game in many, many, many ways. Oh, absolutely. Um, Probably one of the most polished games I've ever played that was in early access it's a gorgeous game so not to belittle it or anything but this is uh definitely one of the most polished crafting games i've ever played yep yep i would agree that's yeah is probably more of a commentary on the survival crafting genre more than anything else unfortunately (laughs) yes (laughs) there's a yeah 
it was a genre that blew up for a while and then and then blew up. Um, yeah. Well, everybody <laughs> yeah. was making it, so yeah. <laughs> That's a wee bit of a problem. Yeah. Uh-huh. But yeah, this is a shining example of one. Yeah, this is how you do a good one. Mm-hmm. Yep. So do we want to go over a little bit of the story? Uh, yeah. yeah. If you want to. I'm... Assuming all those people who want to experience the story have... Uh gone I've... yeah have you gone yet <laughs> have you gone now is your last chance <laughs> the train is leaving the station <laughs> jump while you can not into the tracks no sorry <laughs> the other direction yeah so the story of this game so you start out uh the player character you start immediately into the action which is the spaceship that you're on the aurora is going down and you are getting into an escape pod and in the descent you're knocked out briefly and when you come to you look outside and it's ocean ocean as far as the eye can see and the ship is completely crashed and on fire and it's not good and the aurora belongs to altera corporation and everything is branded altera corporation so when you finally get your little um your uh data pad up which holds all of your crafting blueprints and your inventory and all that when you get that up it always says like altera on it and so basically the whole point is that you have to survive on this alien planet perhaps find other survivors and try and get word out that you need help because it's really, really bad. How could your ship have gone down? And that's part of the mystery. What caused the Aurora to crash? And so as you begin to play and start gathering resources and, and go along, uh, you start, you start. Um, well, you don't get the messages immediately. You have to repair your radio, obviously. But you start getting messages from other survivors who their, their pods went down in the ocean. But you quickly find, as you go to these locations, that they didn't make it yeah there's a whole lot of holes and a whole lot there's a whole lot of yeah Yeah. it's not looking so good for you all by yourself and as you kind of go on you're the ai the friendly altera ai that's sort of helping you out with blandly sarcastic commentary at times (laughs) um (laughs) that's putting it mildly it begins to tell you that there's kind of a problem with radiation leaking out of the ship and then the aurora explodes Yes, which, if you're playing the game, is actually really cool to see. It's spectacular. Um, it happened awesome. for me. It happened for me at night, and I was standing on top of the life pod uh, mm-hmm. when it happened. Oh wow! It just looked really great, but obviously really bad for the environment and for you if you're trying to survive because there's it's a gonna lot go of critical. really nice stuff around the Aurora crash site. Yes, <laughs> yes there is. Yes, and it's very radioactive and very, very bad. So that's like your big main kind of plot hook. One of the big main kind of plot hooks. Uh, The other big main plot hook is you get a transmission from the first officer of the Aurora who gives you a location for dry land that they found a rendezvous point for all survivors to go to. So if you go there, nobody's there. They didn't survive. They didn't survive either. Uh, (laughs) Oh, uh, side note, there's no bodies. No bodies yet. There are no bodies. Yeah. They're just they're just gone and you're all by yourself. You just find their PDAs that you get uh, either text or voice recordings on. The wildlife didn't find the PDAs yummy. (laughs) Oh no. no. (laughs) Even though the wildlife finds a lot of metallic things yummy. Yep. Yes. Especially those stalkers. Uh, Especially cameras. Yeah, so when you when you go to this island you find out that in fact you're not the first ship to have crashed on planet 4546B, as this is designated, and you find out that another ship had crashed and that there were three survivors and that they made a go at trying to survive. And progressively, you find out they didn't make it either. In fact, you find one of the last uh, voice logs for one of the survivors on the floating island, uh, where he indicates that the other two survivors uh, were also dead. So... Really great omens. Yeah. <laughs> it's all working yeah. out. And it's, it's also clear that that took place, what, probably, is it like 10 years ago or something like that in the timeline? Something, I think? yeah, I think, yeah, I don't remember exactly the time frame, yeah, but you, yeah, it's pretty recent. It's not... All the structures that you find that they built are all pretty dilapidated, but yeah. if you're playing the game, 
spend some time and scan things. There's a lot of goodies there. I yeah. didn't do that. Yep. <laughs> yeah, lots of goodies. Uh, so yeah, so you find so you and I mentioned that you could kind of do this out of order. You don't necessarily have to find these things in a set order. Uh, for the mm. most part. But I bring this up because when you go to the Aurora and turn off, well, not turn off the radiation, but you like uh, repair the engine core so that it no longer is reaching radi- leaking radiation and it's not going to go critical and destroy literally everything. When you go there, you find out that a secondary, like your the, the Aurora was sent to be going somewhere to build a phase gate uh, and stuff, I believe. But on their way there, they were supposed to stop at 4546B because of the loss of the Degasi, the other yep. ship, that they were supposed to investigate that, interestingly enough. And uh, they find it, they find out what happened, to be fair. So you start getting the pieces of this mystery, and then you get a transmission from a, a ship that's gotten the distress signal from the Aurora. And at first they're like, do you really need help? And then they realize, oh. Yeah, you really oh, you do, do need, need help. help. <laughs> Oh dear. Okay. Well, we're going to come by and pick you up. Like we'll, we'll send you rendezvous when we get there. Uh, so they send you rendezvous coordinates and it's another Island and there's a big alien structure on this Island. It's a And I say alien because it's clearly not natural. It glows green and you find out pretty quickly. Once the sunbeam arrives, the other ship that said they were picking you up, uh, you find out it's a big gun. Yep. Yeah. It goes boom. (laughs) And it goes really big, big laser gun. The sunbeam also explodes. very spectacular. Yep. Yes, also happened Don't for me at that. night. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> I'm I just mean, thinking sad. everybody's just a, a tourist on this <laughs> this place, and they're just like, "Ooh, look at it blow up!" Click, and then walk yeah. off. Look at all the wonderful yeah. people dying. Oh, look at everybody wow. dying. It's great. It's no, so it's not great. I will be. I I will be fair. Like when I first played this, this was my my second kind of full playthrough uh the first time i played this i was horrified because i came to the island and i went oh that does not look friendly this big (laughs) like sharp edged glowing structure i'm like this doesn't look good this looks really bad and then the sunbeam's like survivor we see you we're gonna come down and land and then wait that signal's coming from the planet what do you mean you can't identify it and then and i was just like (laughs) gape mouthed staring as like it explodes in the air and little shrapnels go oh and the gun moves like the building starts to move it goes and then looks and a lot like a gun and you go oh no whoops <laughs> yeah and and when we say building it's probably way more accurate to say skyscraper this thing yeah. is yes huge it's a it's a massive construct it, yes, and the game does an incredibly good job of creating scale. It, like all the big things in the game feel really big and really imposing. Big. It yeah. kind of reminds me of the first time playing the first Halo, where everything mm-hmm. was like in practically big. And you're like, wait, yes. why would somebody build something so big to hold one map? That's a really ridiculous <laughs> thing. And that's how the buildings <laughs> felt in this too. Maybe uh, they were really tall. Uh, yeah they don't yeah. really it could have been very big aliens they could have know. been really tall you i don't know i got i got some theories <laughs> on that one but uh continue on i'll talk about that in the impressions okay. so the sunbeam gets shot down and you can go inside this alien skyscraper gun and when you go in uh you find that you can interact with one of the bits inside of it which turns on turns out to be the on off switch but when you press the button a little pokey thing like with a needle and it sticks you and it says nope well in an alien language your pda kind of the ai translates it somehow yeah that's beside the point that's beside the point uh (laughs) (laughs) it translated as being like infected personnel can't turn off the gun and you go what infected what do you mean infected? <laughs> and then you do a self-scan and it's like, yep, you infected, bud. <laughs> and it says you have I, a bacterial infection. And it's like, oh no. <laughs> yeah. And it and to be fair, it's not just a thing that pricks you. Like, it's actually kind of terrifying if you haven't it's, experienced it's or you're not expecting thing. it. Yeah, uh-huh. you, you push the button and this trap springs out of the the mechanism and holds your arm. Like a mechanical creepy, octopus arm. Yeah, and then this creepy, like, yeah, octopus arm comes out of the the machine and, like, looks at you and then, like, 
snaps. It, it's kind of it reminded me a little bit of like a uh, uh, what do you call it? A what is that bug? Um, my brain. Scorpion. Scorpion. Thank you. Yeah. It literally looks like a scorpion tail, and it whacks you. And, and of course, when I first played through this, I'm like, well, I'm dead. <laughs> oh, that was a foolish thing to do. Guess I'll die. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like, oh, great. Don't push the button. It's just because it's a button doesn't mean you have to push it, Tom. God. <laughs> but, Lessons but it's just testing you. <laughs> yeah, yep. exactly. It's just testing you, so it's okay. You don't yep. die. <laughs> you don't die. It's fine. You can continue to play the game. It's not over. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so you find out that you're infected with some alien bacteria that the uh, PDA is like, mm, might want to get that looked at. But of course you're like, well, there ain't, you will see any doctors I'll just pop into here? the hospital real quick. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a lot of good you are, you smarmy PDA. Do the aliens have a hospital? <laughs> <laughs> yep. So uh, as you go along, you start to realize that you're not the only individual being upon this planet who is infected a lot of the wildlife start presenting with these glowing green sores masses green sores on their bodies um yep. and you you come to learn that that is the that is the sign of what is called the cara bacteria and uh and and you, and you start running into these things that are like purple weird non-native life forms they're actually constructs left behind by the precursor aliens. They're called warpers, and they are charged with destroying any infected thing on the planet, which means that as soon as you start presenting with symptoms, they don't like you. Uh, no. No, they'll teleport <laughs> not, everything to you. Not at all. And that's like a completely separate issue from like all of the other life forms on the planet that may not like you just because they're big predators and you look like a tasty snack. Or perhaps you're invading their territory <laughs> and they don't like that very much. But more on that later. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so as you continue to explore, and of course now you're looking for, well, if I... If I want to go home, I have to turn off the gun, but in order to turn off the gun, I have to be cured, so I better work on that. You start getting weird telepathic transmissions from something. You don't know what. Which is terrifying, by the way. Yes. Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was more distracting, but that's just because I was getting chased by a big creature at the time. I was like, oh, I don't want to be food. And it's like, who are you? I'm like, I'm trying to see, damn it. <laughs> Telepaths, quit it. <laughs> I was in my base when that telepathic message came through. And just so that the re or the listeners know what we're talking about, it's kind of this like gray, like smoky black image that suddenly comes in front of you with glowing purple eyes. And there's four eyes. And it looks um, eerily like not some glasses. big monsters around. Yep. Oh yeah, looks very much like some of the most terrifying monsters that are in the game, and yep. and it's right in your face. And so I was just minding my own business in my my base, thinking I was totally safe. When all of a sudden this thing came up inside my base, it's actually just in your vision, but I didn't yep. know that. Mm -hmm. And I had this immediate like just total terror of like, well, um, nothing's safe. Nothing is safe in this entire world. I'm going to die in my base, and I can never be safe no matter where I am. Wow. A little my, melodramatic first... there, Tom. <laughs> Scared the shit out of me. I, this will make you feel better. My first playthrough, and that happened, and I wasn't uh -huh. expecting it. I didn't know it was coming. Right. I, I shrieked and threw my mouse because <laughs> I was so startled. Poor yeah. mouse. And then right afterward, I was like, Oh, oh, I feel so stupid, and this is a really good mouse. <laughs> <laughs> and to be fair, the other thing is, after after it, like, this creepy, horrifying thing, and there's a horrible, really creepy noise that comes with it, too. So there's a lot of ambiance that builds up to this. Absolutely. It has, like, the most beautiful, soothing female voice, and you're just like... She does. I'm totally... You're just totally confused. I was just like, huh? Yeah, You're she's, terrifying, but you sound so sweet. She's yeah. She's got a beautiful voice, but like the Discord call sound that happens when she connects to you is a little yes. bit off-putting. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she didn't pick very good times to try and talk to me. It was always like, <laughs> I am trying to sneak by this giant monster, or I'm, I'm getting chased by a giant monster, or I'm <laughs> about to run out of air. Can you call back at some point? Like, when I'm not about right. to die, or at risk of death? Yeah. 
more on her in a minute. Uh, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but she does. She calls you a couple times, and for me, it never happened at a bad moment, but I can imagine when it might happen at an inopportune moment. Every fucking As far as I can tell, time. it's just on a timer. No, it's yeah, not on it's a on timer. A... Oh, is it not? What is it? No, it is... Okay, so I can just go into this real quick. Uh, the yeah. developers explicitly wanted the player to not know when things were happening. Explicitly hmm. to make the player believe that the world was not revolving around them. So hmm. if you watched the Aurora explode, sometimes you would be underwater, sometimes you'd be deep underwater, sometimes you'd be in the survival pod, sometimes you'd be on the surface looking right at it. They put in right. a number mm -hmm. of triggers and it would randomly choose one. Oh, that's oh. very cool. Because between my first playthrough and this playthrough, I thought it was a timer. But... Yeah. I, was, I wasn't sure because the second time that the mysterious creature that's telepathic contacted me, it didn't seem like it was on a timer. So that makes a lot more sense. Yeah. 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 And apparently the ones it chose for me were, oh, he's about to die. Hit him with this. <laughs> <laughs> Guess what? A little bit more stress for you. I'm calling you. Why don't you ever pick up? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> When this ghostly image thing appeared for me, I was idle. I was standing in the base, and I was literally actually in real life on my phone, uh, <laughs> <coughs> cheating. <laughs> going, where the hell is... I forget exactly. I think I was looking for, like, Cyclops hull parts. And I was like, where am I going to find these things? And then I had my headphones on, and that horrible noise happened. And that's part of the reason I think that it scared me so bad, is I was in a place that I shouldn't have been hurt. And it confused the hell out of me because I couldn't figure out what triggered it. I was like, I'm not even moving. I'm just sitting here staring at, like, the floor. Yep. What's <laughs> happening? Yep, that was the game's deciding, hey, now's a good time to hit him with this. When you're mm -hmm. idle. Sorry, I'm not going to let that go. The game just <laughs> yeah. really wanted to fuck with me. <laughs> yeah, that's probably why it scared me so bad because I was just like, I don't know. The last thing I was expecting. I wasn't even yeah. close to expecting that. So, But it's interesting that it's not a timer. I, that's why I assumed it was, because I'm like, well, I was just standing there. So there's nothing I could have done. It had to be a timer. Otherwise, how would it know? <laughs> why would it do that? It's just picking random trigger times. <laughs> that's yeah. pretty clever, honestly. It's pretty yeah. good. And to be fair, the game really, like we were, what you were saying, Chandler, like the developers, they achieved what they wanted. Like, the game feels unlike any other game i've ever played you don't yeah. feel like you're playing a game sometimes so yeah oh yeah they did a very good job about making sure that the player didn't feel like they were the center of the world as opposed mm -hmm. to like most other crafting games where yeah mm -hmm. for all intents and purposes you are the center of the world whether you like mm -hmm. it or not mm -hmm. yeah this game kind of has a it does a really good job of making you feel insignificant yeah, you just feel helpless pretty much the entire way through. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you're always hunted. Mm-hmm. You feel like you're prey. <laughs> Every time. So, that happens. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And you continue exploring, crafting, doing all that stuff, looking for a way to cure this mysterious disease. And as you go along, you find more alien ruins left by the precursors and you find that they in fact quarantine this planet specifically to study this bacteria and find uh find a cure because uh it was apparently spreading all around their empire and 148 billion fatalities counted uh at one point you get some uh you get some data information that tells you that it's it was really bad Wow, yep. I don't even think I... I think I missed that one. Holy cow. Yeah, yeah. it's really bad. And and all of the <laughs> alien bases are completely empty. Like... Yeah. Not nothing, even bodies. Nobody's... Nobody's... Nobody's there. Except the for the you find... Little ro robot spiders? Yeah, they're little robot spiders. You find warper parts because you find where they started constructing the warpers. Yeah. yeah and then, like, uh, you find, like, specimens of wildlife uh, that they had captured and that some that had died. 
And as you go down, um, you, you find also more information about the Degasi and what happened to the, the survivors of the Degasi. And besides the fact that they're dead, you find that, in fact, one of the survivors, Marguerite, who is just a complete badass, yeah, she is. probably is responsible for everything going wrong <laughs> by attracting a big leviathan to their base and by stealing its baby. Yeah. For context, <laughs> the big monsters are called leviathons. They're about yes. the size of a Walmart. <laughs> yeah, they're really yeah. big. The really big creatures, they're all they're leviathan class creatures. So, yeah. They have a The majority of them are are aggressive. Yep, most of them are, except for the uh, reef uh, reefbacks. I think yeah, yeah. reefbacks. I was hoping you'd call them reefers because that was just funny. <laughs> yeah, I know this. <laughs> I was like, "Come on, call them a reefer! I mean... Call them a reefer!" <laughs> <laughs> no, they're reef- the reefy um, boys. Yes, yeah, those. But yeah, the, and the, again, the the scale of all these things in the in the game are really impressive because you have yeah. these things move and they move fast and they move in a very like. Uh, dynamic sort of way that makes them feel real and also kind of helps them feel enormous. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and <laughs> there's only a few glitches where they kind of get a cartoony feel when they try and turn too fast. Yep, that's yep. true. But yeah. for the most part, it's very graceful and elegant. And better than I would have expected, especially for such right. a small development team. And yeah. such a sh- right. relatively short development cycle. Yeah, yeah. This game is so impressive. Yes. Yeah. But anyway, I digress. <laughs> Digressions, they happen. But we yes. will continue with the story. Uh, so you find out that about the Degasi, and then you find out that, in fact, the uh, the Precursor Aliens did something very, very similar. Now, I'm calling them Precursor Aliens, and I probably should just call them Precursors, because, in fact, you yourself as a player character is also an alien on this planet. True. Uh, anyway, but... Besides that, uh, the Precursors <laughs> had started taking Leviathan, especially the Sea Dragon Leviathan eggs, trying to find a cure for this bacteria. And of course, when they started stealing the eggs, the mamas didn't really like that very much. Ah, uh, no. Really? No. Hmm. Color me Not shocked. at all. And so one of the, one of the Sea Dragons <laughs> whose eggs were stolen uh, attacked one of the Precursor bases and destroyed it. And that wasn't good you find another which has houses all of the the, which is basically their power plant and you get a few more transmissions from this mysterious creature that has telepathy and then eventually you find her and that she is herself a leviathan but uh sentient probably sapient is actually a better word to try and describe that she can speak to you she has an understanding of what's going on and she's been trapped in this big containment by the precursors since um around a thousand years ago i believe that was when the the uh the sea dragon leviathan attacked the one base so it's been around it's been a while yeah that she's been trapped that one base mm-hmm. uh you find out was holding the sample of the korea bacteria Yes. Cara? Oh, yes. Kara. Yeah, the Kara. Yeah. The Kara bacteria. Yes. And so when that facility was destroyed, it that's actually what infected the planet. Yep. Um, and there's a lot of cool, like, slight digression. There's a lot of cool stuff. Like, uh, you, you could build a scanner, which is, you know, what you need to self-scan to know, like, how sick you are. Uh, but you can scan it uh, to, like, find blueprints and learn stuff about different things. But you get, like, really cool tidbits about you know, the, the fauna uh, and flora of the planet. And one of the things, and I don't remember in which it is, but it basically says that it looks like there must have been a mass extinction in fairly recent history because a lot of the creatures seem to have evolved from a very few, like a, a, a small amount of, of common ancestors, which is a kind of a cool hint as to what happened, which was which is to say, massive infection of the planet, this highly infectious bacteria, which seems to know no bounds between uh, uh, different different biologies. Uh, and it killed so many. And yeah. so you're now seeing what the survivors have been able to do in the last thousand years. Yeah. Which and is neat. Yeah. It's also telling that the biomes still exist at all. Yeah. It's, it's really wild. And I just have thoughts. Anyway, later. So... <laughs> The Sea Emperor Leviathan, which is the the um, the, the telepathic uh, lady, 
the telepathic, the telepathic Leviathan. Uh, you find her, she's been in this containment, she's trapped, she can't get out. Uh, nor can her eggs get out, but they also can't hatch. And so she speaks to you and she tells you that she's been down there for a long time. It's time for her eggs to hatch. She needs help. And that if you are willing to help her, that she will give you what the precursors so wanted to take from her. She's aware of what they wanted. And in fact, she says that she tried to speak to them. And there's hints from data scans that you get from the precursor ruins and stuff that, and data information, that the precursors might have been telepathic on some level as well. But the sea, Levi uh, the sea Emperor, she says they didn't hear her. And she says couldn't. Like, the actual dialogue says couldn't. Yeah. But I, I have questions about that and thoughts, but that's for later down the line. Uh, so she offers that if you help her, she'll help you. And so you go, okay. So you get the stuff that she needs because she uh, there's a special... Uh, the, the eggs only hatch under like certain conditions, so you need to formulate uh, a catalyst to in order for the eggs to hatch. You get all the ingredients, you make it, you put it together, you hatch the eggs, and then they say goodbye to Mama. They swim out through the gate that you opened into the wild, and Mama dies. Yep. And yeah. because it's her time is done, it's time for her children to go out there, and it's like, oh... <laughs> Oh my. And she has like really great philosophical dialogue, but it will make me cry if I talk about it. So I will just keep going. <laughs> so once the, once, once, the, once the hatchlings have gone out into the water, they start creating this enzyme, enzyme 42, uh, that the precursors had found in the wild, but were trying to synthesize it, trying to find where it came from uh, so that they could cure because it cures the bacteria. It kills the bacteria and you're cured. It's amazing. It's like magic. So the little babies, little baby sea emperors start making that enzyme. And if you come into contact with that enzyme, it cures the sickness, you're fine. And you find out also kind of tangentially, like how not everything on the planet has died is because there are vents that the precursors put in the ocean floor to their bases that the, some of the fish, the peepers have been going down into the vents and going into the sea emperor's chamber getting some of the enzyme and then coming back out so while it's not you know it's not enough to cure everything it's enough to keep the ecosystem alive uh, which is how <laughs> it's not a dead planet when you get there very much yep. so, not a dead planet so you're cured you can turn off the gun and you go turn off the gun but you can't get off yet because well, you can't get off the planet yet. I mean, I'm sure you could get off if you wanted to, but <laughs> maybe have a base for that uh, before. Maybe because, a sock. I don't know. Because, you know, it's just common sense, people. Just common sense. And Anyway, so, but you can't get off the planet yet. So uh, you get a transmission, and it's actually, for me, this happens earlier, like, these things happen in a, in a different order than I'm telling them, but it just makes more sense to tell it this way. You get a transmission from uh, another Altera ship that's way far out that says, we know you're in distress. We can only meet you halfway. So if you go to the Aurora, they're in the captain's cabin. There's plans for a Neptune escape rocket that will get you off the planet. You just have to build it. And you're like, okay, I'm cured. I'll go do it. So you go and you get the plans. And, and you, you start becoming Mark Watney. <laughs> yes. And you become Mark Watney and you're going to science the <laughs> hell out of it. Uh, so you build, your, you build your escape rocket and you say goodbye to the planet and to the fishies that have been your friends this whole time. And get in the friends. rocket and off you go. And as you're leaving the planet and leaving the system the sea emperor contacts you again, basically to say goodbye. She's ending, you're leaving, endings and beginnings, and then off you go. Credits roll. Space to sand. Yeah. Stuff like yep. that. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. I'm falling into the sand and you're going into the stars and it's really beautiful. And then the credits roll. Yeah. And then after the end of the credits, <laughs> your AI tells you, welcome back. Welcome home to Altera. You will be allowed to land when you pay back your outstanding balance of uh, one trillion. trillion credits yeah it's an absurd amount of money <laughs> i think it's like 23 trillion or so it's an insane amount of money it's a lot it's, which, it's a huge amount yeah <laughs> which is a reference to earlier in the game because i think at least for me when i found my first diamond i think it was yes 
Mm-hmm. The the AI goes, you know, oh, I don't remember how it phrases it exactly, but it's something along the lines of like, oh, by the way, since uh, you're exploring this planet and you're you got here with Altera technology, that means that anything that you find and use on this planet is actually Altera property, and so. Um, your current balance, I think, at that point, is several billion. In your yeah, life. it's several what? billion at that point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the the AI and some of its commentary adds a little bit of levity <laughs> throughout yeah. the game, whether or <laughs> not true. you're terrified or you're feeling really sad about how things are going. The AI like, is just there to give you so much shit. The AI yes. tries to cheer you up in like the most like computer fashion possible it's like you should be you should feel really good about yourself you've done so much today and it's like (laughs) (laughs) your favorite exercise was swimming but you should try running sometimes you know you shouldn't just do one thing (laughs) on this ocean planet (laughs) my favorite is when you go there's when you go down into the blood kelp area oh my god it's so dumb I mean, it's dumb, but it's hilarious. Like, it's not dumb. It's, like, just hilarious. But, like, the fact that when I first went into this area, I was terrified. It's dark. The plants are, like, creepy, pale white with red globs of what looks like blood on them. And there's weird noises. Everything's terrifying. And the AI goes, scans of this biome say that it has six of the seven things to cause human terror. (laughs) Not everything, though. And I'm like, what was the one that it doesn't have? What's the six out of seven? What are the seven? (laughs) Yeah, it just never says everything. Uh, Let's see, the exact quote is, this ecological biome matches seven of the nine preconditions for stimulating terror in humans. (laughs) (laughs) That's the one. Yep, That's the one. It's, oh my gosh. And I was like, terrified the first time i played that i was like no that's not right. What are you? (laughs) I had a very different reaction, which was, what this is supposed to be scary? Am I psychotic? See, or am I yes. a sociopath? Yes, yes, oh. yes, yes, yes. Thanks. Well, because... you're also you're probably also approaching it much more like this is a game, whereas I tend to feel more immersed, especially Me since too. this is a very immersive game. Okay, great. It's like oh. I kind of on a on a level I can I can be like yeah this is a real thing even though it's not real immersion. Mm-hmm. You know what immersion is? Yes, <laughs> right. Yes, yeah, I do. no, I'm with you, Devin, 100. <laughs> I, I maybe got too immersed. Yeah. <laughs> just... Oh yeah, yeah. This time through, I wasn't quite as immersed, but I still found myself doing that to the point that, like, going through the Lost River, trying to avoid the ghost leviathans, I was like hunched up over my keyboard, like I have my Cyclops <laughs> on silent running, but I'm actually like hunched over, like. Gotta, gotta be quiet. And then my back started to hurt, and I was like, "Why does my back hurt?" So I had to like pull myself out of like. my mental space for the game and i'm like wait why are my like shoulders up to my ears and why am i like curled up over the top of my my keyboard like i'm trying to hide from something like i don't that's funny because like you're trying to be small when when i started playing like i started exploring around the aurora and there's a couple of reaper leviathans around there which are these giant like uh snake things with like hooks in the front of it and like i got really into it and i was like oh this is terrifying so i climbed up on the back of one of the engines and then one of the things just came flying out of the water and like just floating towards me like it was still swimming i'm like okay i think we have an understanding game you're a game and this is fucked (laughs) and like that was the moment that i was like okay terror is completely gone that thing is hilarious now it's, if they kill me it's gonna be funny like <laughs> that was it <laughs> but when you see one of the leviathans just come up and you're like oh uh i only have a knife and this thing flies you're like trying to stab it and it's like not even making noise you're like okay well immersion's gone it's gone yeah that that would do it yeah and then like that set the tone there- for my entire playthrough <laughs> and that was like the first five hours of the game <laughs> That is probably the most consistent glitch that I noticed in the game was things that should be swimming, flying. Yes. Yep. I had a boomerang fish that was swimming through the interior of my definitely not flooded base for like <laughs> yeah. multiple days. Yep. I thought he was a pet after a while. <laughs> I was like, this is a pretty cool boomerang. He can fly. Yeah. <laughs> 
there are also schools of like boomerangs that are apparently not actual entities in the game because you can actually like swim directly through them or, mm -hmm. or use your ship through them, and they will constantly go oh. flying through oh, your yeah. base. Oh yeah, they they constantly. That's a normal thing. Clip through your base. Yeah, yeah, things yeah, like that. Yeah, clip through exactly. Yeah, yeah that. Uh, those are the moments where you're like, mm, yeah, it's a game. With a bunch <laughs> of lava larvae, like clipped through my cyclops and i was like no i've got like 12 on the hull and like 12 inside like, how <laughs> oh, is God. this fair okay so the lava larvae <laughs> actually kept smacking into my uh cyclops which is this giant submarine and they kept like the the sound effect for it was so funny because it sounded like you were getting hit by like a pigeon hitting a window like <laughs> you're like oh my Funk. god what did i hit and everything you hit with the cyclops was this tong it was very yep. jarring going through a school of fish yep. let me tell you oh yeah yep. it's scary the first time because you're like jesus am i running aground oh god yeah and they're like yep. oh no i'm just smacking nope, bugs I, on I my just, windshield yep. yeah okay. just, oh. <laughs> yep <laughs> Except the bugs are gigantic fish. That's fine. Yeah. The, there were a number of bugs in this game that prevented me from really getting into the immersion zone. Because it takes me a couple hours to really get into a game. And whenever mm -hmm. I see a bug like, you know, a flying reaper, it kind of pulls me out. And one of the most common ones was how I kept on dying. Which, you get this <laughs> uh, small submarine they call a sea moth, which is basically like a Volkswagen bug you can drive around in the ocean, right? And yes. you they don't like prevent you from jumping out when you're still moving. And most of the time <laughs> if the sea moth just keeps sailing and you're just like flying in the back, like, you know, most games. And I kept doing that and then one time I was like, "Ooh, I want to get that." And then I hopped out and I was like, "I'm dead. Why am I dead?" <laughs> And I was like, oh, I just ran myself over. Just Great. like slow-mo wasted. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly what happened. <laughs> the most lethal thing to me in this game, by a wide margin, was the sea moth. Not, not the giant monsters or leviathans. No, those, those were just terrifying. It wasn't suffocating. I only did that once or twice. No, it was getting run over by a goddamn submarine most dangerous <laughs> game i i actually uh i never killed myself by running myself over with the sea moth but uh, one of my earlier experiences with that was getting i fl i drove the sea moth directly up to the hatch of my base and hopped out before it stopped moving and <laughs> clicked on the hatch at the same time like it was very like a really rapid thing and then the sea moth slammed into me and crushed me between the base and the sea moth, but I still opened the hatch and got into the base, except that the sea moth hit the base, which damaged the base, so then the base was flooding, so I, I, I like suddenly get out of my sea moth, and I'm injured. I didn't put it together right away. I just got out, I'm like, oh, and you know, the guy makes this horrible noise, and then there's like water filling up the base, and I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> Is a Reaper Leviathan attacking my base? Ah! Oh, that's so funny. And so, <laughs> I like ran around looking for stuff, peering out the windows, like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, we're under attack. <laughs> and after not seeing anything, and then staring out the hatch and looking at how close the sea moth was to the base, I went, uh oh. <laughs> You're like, the sea moth is like jammed in the hatch. You're like, huh. That's probably not good. <laughs> uh. Maybe it's just that I'm a bad driver. Ah, <laughs> oh, got it. <laughs> yeah. Uh -huh. Nailed it. <laughs> yeah. So those were so, yes. those were little bugs that just pulled me out and kind of That's violently fair. reminded me, quite literally violently <laughs> reminded me. Very violently. That it was a game and I shouldn't take it too seriously because... Yeah, you're going to kill yourself with this damn vehicle that's so fucking convenient. <laughs> like, it's. You're just going to die to it. It's going to happen. Though. You accept your fate. Like, this is why you don't play <laughs> hardcore mode, because how embarrassing would it be to play this game? Hardcore mode is where you only get one life to live in this game. Yeah. How embarrassing would it don't be to it. lose your game because you fucking <laughs> ran yourself over? Because you ran yourself over. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that would, yeah, and I can oh, totally see it. That would make me rage quit. Like, yeah, no. Yeah, I would not advise playing this in hardcore. I mean, unless you enjoy just torture. One life to um, live. 
sort of thing. Yeah. Here. Oh god. There's there's so many hours in this game. I mean, I could kind of see it. I could kind of see it being fun, but my god, it it would be so I mean, you can genuinely sink 30 plus hours. I mean, I've I haven't beaten the game personally. I know the storyline cuz I watched the a video that went through the last little bit. Um but to give you an idea of the scale of this game, I've played 33 hours of this game and I'm halfway, I would guess. You can get lost doing all kinds of things that aren't it progressing. And so, yeah, playing this in hardcore, man, you've got to really love this game and yeah. really love repetition because you yeah. can sink 30 hours in and then... Yeah, you're, you you got to be a done. masochist for it. <laughs> oh, man. <Yep>. Big time. <laughs> yeah. No, thank you. Yeah, and that's kind of the th- reason why, like, I started playing this for a couple hours with the food and water mechanics enabled and yep mm-hmm. i kind of realized those were just a distraction like if you're into mm-hmm. the survival aspect absolutely play with those enabled i think it's like survival mode um but then yep. they have another mode called free freedom mode where it's the same thing just without those mechanics so yeah, the only thing you have yeah. to worry about is your oxygen yes which makes sense yeah and that's yeah. a lot more thematic and yeah, to me, that's a lot more fun to play. That's yeah. my preferred way to play. I will say, I actually have sunk all 33 hours into survival mode. And just to give a different perspective, it's it's irritating originally. But it's actually, I found it to be really interesting in the regard that this is probably the game that did the best job, in my opinion, of actually giving you a sense of you're kind of living on the raggedy edge of survival. Mm-hmm. And for me, I kind of liked the idea of having to keep track of food and water just because it was like, I really felt like I was isolated on an alien planet and that if I slipped up and I didn't pay attention, I could die for something very stupid, which is really interesting. It's the first game that has ever actually given me that impression of like, oh man, if you got stuck alone, you're fucked. Like, so much of your time is spent just staying alive, let alone all the other stuff. Just keeping your body together is a lot of work. And later in the game, it's it's not too bad because as you progress a little bit further into the game, you're going to pick up a number of blueprints that are going to make eating and drinking trivial. You'll get a heated uh, knife that you can just swipe at any fish that is swimming by and it's the fish is instantly dead and cooked. So you can consume it immediately. That makes um, that, like, um, basically just, yeah. just underwater. Yeah, that eating. eliminates just water up your yeah, nose. Yeah, exactly. It's great. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how you do that with a mask on, but you know, you do. But that basically eliminates the problem of food. Food becomes a non-issue after that because you just oh, I'm getting hungry, and you kill a couple things, and you eat them, and then you're good to go again. And the other thing that you have is a part that you install in your base that dehydrates or sorry it separates water and sodium so that you can get nice clean fresh water instead of salt water and that actually does two things it gives you salt which you can use to cure food so that actually even further helps the food problem because you can then keep dead fish um, to eat for basically indefinitely and it also gives you enough water that that thing alone as long as you continually you know as you go back to the base you're picking up water and stuff from it 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 uh, it solves the water problem. You'll never need to do anything else. And the sodium also, ironically, can give you water as well. So it's like stupid useful. And once you have those two tools, you're fine. Food and water is a non-issue from that point on. So don't be totally discouraged to play it in, in survival. It does, I think, add an interesting element to it. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But only if you're into yeah, that. Yeah, it's nice having the flexibility to not have to care about it if it's not your thing. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, because there's plenty of people that are not going to want to do that. But but I would just actually, you know what? I'm going to take that back. Definitely do it. Everyone should do it, at least for a little bit, and get a taste of it and just kind of see. And um, that way you can have that experience. And then if you don't like it, turn it off. It's no big deal. And if you don't want to do any of that and you don't even want to bother with the story, the game does have a creative mode where you can just kind of do whatever and have fun. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And I think you can't die in that mode. Uh, yeah, you can't die in that mode. You just mm-hmm. basically are one with the biomes, and you just see everything. Yeah, which is kind of a yep, nice. You touch. can look yeah. at stuff. 
Yeah, it's kind of neat. You can kind of explore freely and just wander around and see stuff that maybe, like, without the threat of dying, like, you wouldn't have wanted to explore before. Yeah. Yeah. And if you are absolutely terrified of caves or giant things in the ocean, then that's, yeah, that's a good thing to turn on if you just want to see the world that they made yeah and if you if you have honest to god thalassophobia which is to say the fear of the ocean like you're just gonna have a hard time yeah and i feel (laughs) very sorry for you because it's yes even though i find it scary at moments it's just so beautiful and so wonderful and uh i just i encourage you even if you're scared of the ocean to give it a shot if you can and Oh, yeah, totally. And, yeah, the creative mode also kind of would probably give you a good idea of just the amazing, incredible artwork of this game. Mm -hmm. Like, I've never played a game that felt like a real world as much as this one did. Like, when when you're swimming around in this ocean and you're checking out all these different creatures and stuff, Mm -hmm. it's almost impossible not to get the sense that this place could exist. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously, there's, like, game elements and balance and all these other things that are kind of messing with that, but... Right. Yeah, it's incredible. The artwork is awesome, and things actually look like they kind of evolved together. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, if you want to just see pretty stuff, throw it in creative, and have a blast. It's a beautiful game. Yes. Um, and it has VR. Yep. Yes. So. Yeah. Uh, if yeah. you have a fear of getting run over, uh, make sure you stop <laughs> the sea moth. <laughs> Because otherwise you will be yes. living that fear of getting run over every time you get run over by your sea moth. Just saying. It, it, <laughs> yeah, it's It true. happened to me a number of times. Yeah. <laughs> the most dangerous thing, oh. the sea moth. But, yeah. So I think the reason why this game stands out is because that the developers decided to focus on the story and the thrill of the unknown yes. and didn't go for the easy shorthands of the genre they chose to work in which is procedurally generated no story mastering the domain and you do yeah do those i mean there's no procedural generation this is a static map with mm-hmm. random seeds where things can drop so it's not mm-hmm. going to be the same each time you play but I think having a static map actually made the environment so much better compared to like Seven Days to Die, which is a very interesting game in its own right, but the procedurally generated maps are frankly garbage. Yeah. Yeah, I've never ever played a procedurally generated map and been wowed by realism or really consumed by the environment and this game does that and i think that that requires a really talented artist honestly which clearly clearly this game had and a really Um, talented set of level designers Mm -hmm. specifically because they did try this game as a procedurally generated game and they realized quite quickly that like most games that are in this genre, it's not interesting when it's procedurally yeah, it feels generated. very flat. Yeah. yeah, it just is sort of bleh. Yeah. And I actually played this game when it was still procedurally generated, so I can totally confirm that that is how it felt. It felt like Minecraft underwater at that and point. that's um, how it was described for the longest time. Whereas I played it yep. um, after release, quite a t- time after release, actually. Yeah. And the game does not feel like Minecraft at all to me. Yes, it Zero. does have crafting, yeah, but abs- it's not Minecraft. But it's not Minecraft. Yeah. yeah. The only thing that feels like Minecraft is getting lost in a cave and dying. That that feels pretty familiar to Minecraft. <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> but, you can't, but you, at the same token, you can't craft uh, swords and defend yourself from the evils in the world. And they're not really right, evils. Which, no, they're yeah. just... They're just beings going about their day and you're messing yeah it's like hey frank how you doing and then you just see like this mouse come in it's like oh that son of a bitch came in again yeah like (laughs) yeah exactly you're not gonna get like you're not gonna call the beings that are trying to chase you out evil like like, no you ran into their living room and they're like get the hell out 
you you built your base here. Like you can't complain that the gasopods are farting all over you every time you leave your base. <laughs> okay, that one's fair. That one is really fair. <laughs> like <laughs> you just can't complain about that. It's like if you want to build your two million dollar home out in the mountains and then going, but there are mountain lions and bears and stuff out here. It's like yes, because you built your house in their habitat. Like yes. I don't. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. And it's the only place that is truly safe to build your base is the starting place. Everywhere else is. I built I built my base exactly like like just a a smoosh a little just a little bit from where uh, my my life pod crashed but it happens to be where apparently the gasopod migration happens and I wouldn't oh, have no. built my base there if I had known that that's where the gasopods like to swim around part of the time. That is but hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't know and that. I assume they and do damage I, to the base when they I, fart. No, they don't do any damage. Like I mean, they don't do any damage to the base. It's just like if you swim out into a cloud of their farty stuff, you're gonna die. Like it does damage <laughs> to you because it's like poison. Yeah. So <laughs> right. You know. So you just you just you learn to live with it. You try and give them a wide berth or if you notice that they're starting to poop out their little thingies that you just go nope i'm not going that direction i'm going to go in a different direction (laughs) see like the tiny ass base that i made not only had a gasopod in it but uh, somehow i attracted a stalker there too i had two pet stalkers that i didn't mean to have so i feel your pain i don't know (laughs) how they came but they just suddenly were there and they're constantly trying to chase me and then just hanging around and i'm like don't you have a much better habitat like 50 feet away 20 meters that way (laughs) in isn't there metal over there you want to chew on and then they started stealing the cameras from my scanner and i just gave up like i finally like i went through the entire game without the scanner room and i finally like after i beat the game um built the scanner room and i was like huh there's these cameras here and then like i tried moving one around and i was like why does it look like Movement. i'm in teeth oh even because after. you are in teeth yeah <laughs> what do you mean? so my cameras yeah. just were useless because the star the stalker outside my base was like oh now this goes here it goes here yeah that's exactly what happened oh, like yeah, i suddenly noticed fun. that the okay. cameras were being moved around and i was like huh and then like i went off on an excursion and then came back and the cameras were just gone and i was like okay <laughs> I, I guess the stalkers wanted them more than i did <laughs> absolutely ah uh, yes so there is a way to totally fix that by the way so that the stalkers do not take the cameras so uh, if the way that I solved the stalker problem, I kind of did it on an accident. I built my base right next to a thermal vent. Not even necessarily on purpose, other than I just thought it was cool looking and thought it would be really neat. I built an observatory, like, first. <laughs> so I built an observatory hanging over the thermal vent, which is really oh, cool. Oh, nice. Nice. Um, yeah, it's pretty sweet. Um and then what I discovered is that the cameras are completely impervious to temperature. So the thermal vent has a little pocket. If you, if you fly the camera into it, there's a little pocket in there that has like some sandstone or something like that in it. And you can park the cameras at the bottom of the thermal vent down there and nothing will bother them ever. <laughs> That's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> the stalkers are like, man, that's too hot. I can't eat that hot dog. Right after I'll I spent just go like somewhere else. <laughs> after I spent like probably literally over an hour chasing cameras, I would like run after one, or actually I'd get in the scanner room and take control of one, let wait for the stalker to let go, and then zip back to the base, and then I'd be I would literally this happened like three or four times where I'd be driving this the camera back to the base and about to park it on the scanner room. As I watch a stalker swim off with the other camera, I'm like, you son of a bitch! (laughs) So I'd park my camera, (laughs) jump over to the other one, then he'd let it go, and I'd come flying back, and another stalker would be going away with the camera I just brought back. And I was like, okay. This isn't working. That's hilarious. (laughs) I got so pissed off. So that's how I came up with the thermal vent thing. Although, there is actually an argument to leave the cameras out so the stalkers can steal them. Granted, having a thermal, or a, uh, uh, what do you call it, a um, scanner room kind of solves this problem anyway. But if you ever need stalker teeth, just leave a camera out. 
Oh, that's <laughs> clever. Yep. I never needed yeah. enough nope. teeth to do that, but yeah, you'll find them. I I went to recover a camera at one point, and there was literally a pile of like four or five <laughs> stalker teeth, <laughs> the, <laughs> like the basically st- laying yeah. next to the camera, and I was like, oh, stalkers cool. like. <laughs> giving me teeth with the camera that's clever Uh i didn't think of that at least they pay for their fun i guess (laughs) yeah well they're like sharks yeah 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 exactly so absolutely yeah this this game is very interesting because of the thrill of the unknown yeah so like if you've heard us talk about the the story and you still want to play it and you haven't yet first of all why are you still listening Second of all, yeah, go uh, start downloading it now while you finish listening. Yeah, like yeah, it's it's a very interesting game, and I highly recommend going in as blind as possible because yes, we may be griping about the bugs, but I guarantee that all of us have a minimum of thirty hours into this game. And oh yeah, I I'm over forty. Yeah, like forty hours in this game between my two playthroughs. Yeah, and. As much as I gripe about getting run over and all the bugs, I enjoyed every minute of it, which is saying something because you don't think of traveling from one edge of the map to the other hunting for things, which is the entire third act of this game, which is surprisingly weak. This has third act syndrome. I'm going to say that now. (laughs) It does. Uh, It kind of (laughs) does. Yeah. Even with that. It's still a great game because they made movement in this water world so enjoyable. Like, yeah. even if you know the map like the back of your hand, it's enjoyable. Yeah. Editor Chandler here. Tom's audio cut out on us while we were recording at this point. And since this is an exceedingly long episode, I'm going to take this as an opportunity to break it up into two separate parts. This has been The Adventure Mechanics. I'm Chandler. I'm Devin. And I'm Tom. And we will talk to you later. Bye.